The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Take your Bibles, find the 23rd Psalm, Psalm 23, verse 1, and good Tuesday morning to you. And I'm happy to be with you. Thanks for welcoming me to campus and treating me so kindly. It's always a blessing to see you. If I can say hi to you after chapel, pray with you about something, or anywhere this uh, couple of days I'm here, I'd be happy to do so. Psalm 23, let's jump right in. My wife came yesterday. We live here in town, nearby, actually about 20 minutes away. So my wife came yesterday and uh, didn't come back today. Y'all pray for me about that. Uh, she's heard me preach. I guess that's enough. But my daughter came back again. So Charity's here with me this morning. And I'm glad she is and some friends of ours. I'm in Psalm 23. Are you there? All right. Read this first line out loud. Y'all ready? Everybody read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Say it again. You ready? Everybody. Isn't that a great truth? The Lord is my shepherd. That's the God you ought to know. And then notice he says, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The first line there is the God you ought to know. The second line there is the experience you ought to have. So I would uh, just conclude this by drawing your attention to this idea of experience. You know that Psalm 23, as I told you yesterday, is part of a triplicate. Just some introductory thoughts, just a reminder. It's a part of chapter, or rather Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24 do go together because they're about the shepherd. Uh, one, um, one author compared them to the New Testament verses about the chief shepherd and the good shepherd and, and so forth. But uh, simple, simple truth. I won't take the time to deal with it again. But Psalm 22 is about the past. Our Savior died for our sins. Psalm 24 is about the fact that our Savior is coming again. Psalm 23 is very present. It's very personal. It's very real. It's where you and I ought to be. And it is about the experience you ought to have. You do know, don't you, that experience changes a lot of things. Did you all know that? Like, um, I, I, you know, I guess for the longest as I could remember, I thought, you know what, I'd, I'd like to be married. But wanting to be married and being married are two very different things. The experience changes it all. I always want to be a parent. I shared that with you yesterday. And I, I wasn't joking that, that I would have, you know, if, if you had said, how many kids would you guys like to have? My wife and I would have said, we'd love to have 10. And obviously we didn't. We, we didn't. We have three that are in heaven. So we did get eight, if you count it that way. And, and if my five all get married, I'm counting all the in-laws. So that will be 10. So we're going to get 10 one way or the other, Lord willing. But uh, I, uh, I, I love being a parent. Being a parent is one of the great privileges of my life. And, and parenting is one of those things that's really funny because when you don't have children, you can have all kinds of opinions about children. Like before you have children, you may hear somebody say something like this. If they don't have children, they'll say, you know what, I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't put up with that for five minutes. People say things like that before they have children. Or they'll say things like this, my kid would never do that. And then here's what happens. You have children and you find out, in a sense, you're right. You don't put up with it for five minutes. You put up with it for 19 years. And it's like, you know what? My kid would never do that. Go ahead and say that, but be careful because I promise you, if you get married and have children, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have a kid that will do everything you said your child would not do. In my family, we call that Matthew. <laughs> and, uh, and that's the reason he's a youth pastor now. And I, I really, really, he's, uh, 
He's my, one of my closest buddies. I love Matthew, but he was the kid of ours that did everything we said our kids were. We, we wouldn't put up with that. Our kids wouldn't do that. And Matthew just came along and proved that, oh, yes, they will. And I'm the one. And he did it. He, he's a great kid. He made us laugh all the time. He's the kid that said to me one night, I was going to bed. He's six foot four. And I was going to bed, and he walked down the hallway, and he put his hands on my face, and he pulled my head over, and he kissed me on top of the head. And he said, good night, Father, sleep well. Most likely, I will still love you in the morning. <laughs> it's my kid. He's the kid that said to me one day, he said, you know, Dad, you've always been like a father to me. <laughs> well, imagine that. My favorite, my favorite one line of that kid, we finished church one night. Sunday night's our family night. That's our, we always call it family night. And we go to church on Sunday nights, family night. And then we go home and we normally get pizza. And when our kids were all at home, we would get pizza and we'd go home and watch a film. I say film because I'm an independent Baptist preacher. And, you know, movies is a little shaky, but we watch films. And uh, so I, we'd go, you know, get our pizza. And so one night we're all in the van, all the kids, you know, and, and we get pizza on the way home. We, I hand it back to my boys. And my boys, I got almost to the house. We were going to go in and have a family meal and a family movie night. And my boys, I realized they're eating the pizza. And so I, it wasn't really a big deal, but I said, what in the world is wrong with you guys? My son Matthew said, probably poor parenting. <laughs> so I, I have to tell you, experience changed a lot. My kid would never do that. Oh, Matthew would. He, he just proved it. He was my kid that would think, I'm going to get a spanking for this. Is it worth it? Oh, yes, it is. That was my son. Experience changes everything. You know what about what I think about Christianity in light of Psalm 23? Is that Psalm 23 is a nice psalm. So easy to read it and go, wow, that's really pretty. That's really nice. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside so on. Such a beautiful psalm. And miss the fact that God doesn't want it to be something beautiful in your life. God wants it to be real in your life. This is where he wants you to live. That's where he wants me to live. He, he literally in Psalm 23 is inviting all of us to experience the Lord as our very own personal shepherd. Not just to know him. I talked about that yesterday, but to experience him. You ought to be real in your life. Just think about that for a moment. There's at least five ways here I believe we can experience him as our own personal shepherd. And the first one is simply, let's go back, let's go back. He, he first of all offers us himself. Don't miss that truth. He gives us himself. Christianity is not just a list of rules or it's not, not just something we do. It's about our Savior, Jesus, and he's real. And he really is the God of heaven. He's the God of earth. He's the Lord of all. He's King of kings. He's all of those great accolades. We could say in a sense, yes, he's out there. He's the God that made the sun, the moon, the stars. He's that God. He's not just out there. He's here. He's real, and he offers us himself. See, he wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. The Lord is my shepherd. It's real. It's personal. It's, 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 it's a real person. He's really God, but he's really your God. Do you know him like that? Are you experiencing him like that? Are you walking with him? Is he real in your life? I mean, are you aware of him? The Lord is my shepherd is a real living relationship. He's real. So he offers us himself. Look in the text. He says, I shall not want. Verse 1, I shall not want. Well, what's he talking about here? Well, verses 2 through 6. Because he not only offers us himself there in verse 1, 
Look at the peace he offers us in verses 2 and 3. He offers us peace. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. How many of y'all know that peace is hard to find in our culture? Are you aware of that? Peace is just hard to find. How many of y'all have an Instagram account, do you? You do that TikTok thing? Do y'all do that? It's not, not necessarily that it's wrong to have an Instagram account. I have one. But something happened to me recently on Instagram. I sat down one afternoon just, yeah, I'm going to relax a little bit and watch Instagram. I'm going to see how many videos I can handle. And it caught me off guard that it dawned on me that it's hard to have peace in a world of social media. It plays on our emotions. One moment you're watching a funny video. And aren't, aren't there a ton of those? I mean, how many funny videos are there? They never end, do they? My kids went to college and they'd come home and say, Dad, you got to see this video my roommate showed me. Okay, I'll see the video. Well, that video leads to another video and to another video and to another video. And it never ends. You can laugh all night long at videos. But those videos aren't all funny. The next one's emotional. The next one's, you know, endearing. The next one has anguish to it. And it dawned on me that I live in a world where even on social media, which is supposed to be fun, which is supposed to be our relaxation, my emotions are all over the place all in 60 seconds. There's no peace. It's not just social media, it's just life. I mean, for instance, do you have a roommate? Sometimes there's no peace there, is there? When I was a student here at Pensacola Christian College, I had a roommate. It was my freshman year. It was Coberly South. I had a roommate. I'll call him Frank. The reason I'll call him Frank is because that was his name. His name was Frank. And uh, my roommate Frank came up with this brilliant idea. He decided to get all spiritual. And, and I, I remember the night he told us, he's gonna get, he got all spiritual on us, and he said, you know what, I uh, just feel that I need to spend more time with God. So he said, I'm going to start setting my alarm at 5.30, and I'm going to get up, and from 5.30 to 6.30, I'm going to spend an hour with God and his word and in prayer. Now, just a few things to say about that. How many of y'all know that you can just easily do that at 8.30? Y'all with me on that? But he was all about 5.30. Aren't you glad the Bible doesn't say thou hast to get us up at 4.30 to have devotionists? Aren't you glad for that? Don't you praise God for that? You can have them at 10.30 at night if you need to. But he decided 5.30. And, and I remember that. You know, we're all kind of like, wow, he's a man of God. He wasn't a man of God. Because here's what happened. Sure enough, his alarm went off at 5.30, but he never got up and had devotions. What he did is he let his alarm go off for the next hour. He didn't have devotions, but we're all awake. Now, we worked on our spirituality. I uh, worked on my patience. I learned how to deal with anger. I learned Bible truth. I was reminded continually every morning at 5.30 of Bible truth. I memorized this great verse during that season, thou shall not kill. I memorized that. That was, uh, that was a big deal. He never did. I didn't see he set his alarm, let it go off every nine minutes until the rest of us got up and awakened him. It was, uh, it was a time of no peace in our life. I always wanted to sit by him in church and I would pray they would sing our favorite children's song. If you're happy and you know it, slap your neighbor. And they never did because I would have slapped him gladly in the name of Jesus. I'd have been spiritual about it. But isn't it amazing when you think about it? There's so little peace in our lives. Life is busy, we worry, we hurry, we're frustrated, we're on edge, we're tired. We're distracted, aren't we? 
Social media is not necessarily a bad thing. I use it all the time in our ministry. Our podcast uh, connects to people. My wife and I do a family podcast. We, we connect to thousands of people every week via social media. It's not that it's wrong. It's just that you and I are living in a world where there's so little peace in our life. But notice the experience God has. Here's what our shepherd offers us. He, he, he wants to make us lie down in green pastures. You don't have to get up at 5.30, but you know what you need? You need to get in the pastures of God's word every day and get something for your soul in the midst of a messed up world. You're not spiritual because you read 10 chapters every day and you're all impressive spiritually, but you are spiritual when you're walking with God and his word is a part of your life. You don't have to, you don't have, to have an hour, but why not five verses? He makes me to lie down. Why? Because he's offering us peace in a messed up world. He leads us beside the still waters at a time when we're so empty and we're so thirsty and our, we can't get our thirst quenched. There's always another video. There's always another story. There's always another issue. There's always another problem. Our shepherd offers us peace. Come on, get in my green pastures and let's take a walk here alongside the still waters. And when things aren't well in your life spiritually, here's what he says, let me restore your soul. Y'all know that hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Isn't that you? Isn't that me? Aren't we so prone to walk away from God? Aren't we so prone to get over it? Aren't we so prone to miss truth? Aren't we so prone to get a cold heart and a complacent heart? Happens to us all the time. Just continually, all the time. Here we are struggling spiritually in a Christian college where we have chapel four days a week. Well, here's, the, here's good news for you. You have a wonderful shepherd, and he's not trying to beat you to death. What he's saying is, hey, let me give you a new experience. You can have me. The Lord is my shepherd, and you can have my peace. Let me restore your soul. Draw, draw nigh to me again. Get close to me again. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to answer this. Well, let your shepherd lead you. He's given you his word. He's given you his church. He's given you counselors. He's given you godly friends. Let him lead you. He offers us himself. He offers us his peace. Notice this one here. He offers us his protection. Do you see that in verse 4? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. I am not afraid. I am not afraid. Notice that this is just a valley. It's not the real thing. It's just a valley. How many of y'all believe you're Christians? Are you believers in Jesus? Y'all believe that? Then you don't have to be afraid of death. You know that, don't you? Oh, I, I, we, don't, I mean, we don't like to talk about that. I'm 53 and I know all things being equal, there's no doubt about it. I'm closer to my death than I am to my birth. I mean, I, I, mean, I guess I can live to be 107. I don't know that I want to. I mean, I, I don't know if I want to be 107. And, and, and here's what I'm learning. The older I get... I don't have to be afraid of death. You know why? It's just a valley. It's a shadow. And it's okay because I believe in heaven. I believe in heaven. You know, you know kids, have you, ever, have you ever read that story about Lazarus in the Bible that died? Remember Lazarus that died and Jesus brought him back? Don't you feel sorry for him? He died. Is heaven real or not? If I understand the Bible, Lazarus dies. Where is he now? In comfort. There's no sin. There's no suffering. There's no sickness. There's no sorrow. There's no tragedy, there's no trials, there's no difficulties. And Jesus brought him back. I can't prove this. 
But I think he walked out of the tomb, and when he walked out, he was like, seriously? I can't prove that, but I think he did. Because I wouldn't want to come back. And here's the point. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live your life in fear, because you have a wonderful shepherd that offers you his protection. In fact, I love this phrase. I, if you read here, he says, I have a rod and staff that will comfort you. I'll offer you my protection. It, it, it's just simple. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Some of you may be going home here in a week or so to a tough situation. So, sometimes we, we have to go back home to where we're the only believer in the family. Some of you are going home. You're the only believer in the family. It'd be a little different than having Christian roommates at Pensacola Christian College. It'd be a little different for some of you. But you know this, don't you? You're not going home alone. Same God that's real here at Pensacola Christian College, the same God's going to be real with you if you'll go home and let him, let him lead your life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He offers us himself. It's experience God wants you to have. He offers you his peace. That's the experience God wants you to have. He offers you his protection. He wants you to experience that. He offers you his provision. Don't you like that? Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. In a world that's falling apart, where we are under attack all the time from the world and our own flesh and the devil himself, God says, look, slow down. Let me feed you. Let me give you a meal right here in the midst of this battle. He feeds us in the midst of our enemies. What an incredible truth. And then he says, thou anointest my head with oil. And I got to tell you something unique about that word. I looked that word up. I did some, some Hebrew word studies on these words in Psalm 23. And the word anointest caught me off guard. Because the Hebrew idiom there is, is a little startling. Because the word anoint there has the idea of fat. It's, 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 it's an awkward word because, you know, we, in our culture we don't talk about that. But literally what he's saying right here is he fattens my head with oil. This is going to be a little weird. Can you forgive me for being a little weird here? I did a little word study on the, this idea of fat in the Bible. And did you know that it's always positive? He says things like this. He said he'll feed us with the fat of the land. It's an incredible word. I read about Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. In Daniel chapter 1, you remember Daniel said, I'm going to walk with God. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to let God have my life down here in Babylon. Daniel was living in a pagan world with a pagan culture, serving a pagan king, a pagan kingdom, living in paganism, and yet walking with the shepherd, Jehovah God, and letting God work in his life. Daniel's an amazing man there. You read that story lately? And after Daniel walked with God as a young man about your age, your age, the Bible says that they, they, they evaluated Daniel and what they discovered was that he looked fairer and fatter than all the people that were living for the world in Babylon. And you read a few verses later and the Bible says he was found by Nebuchadnezzar to be 10 times better. Sometimes I preach from Daniel 1 a message that I, every time I do I want to title it fairer and fatter and 10 times better. And that's what he's talking about here. Sin and body, he says, look, you're living in a world that's a mess. You battle sin, aren't we all there? We get discouraged and defeated and down and frustrated. Life's hard. But he said, look, your shepherd prepares a table before you in the presence of all of these enemies. And here's what he does. He wants to fatten your head. Isn't that, isn't that just a great way to say it? Because that's how the Hebrew says it. 
He just wants to anoint your head with oil. In other words, it's not this, it's not this spiritual idea of, of necessarily anointing like they did David when they made him the king, when Samuel made him the king. It's the idea of God just pouring out his goodness in your life. God's pouring out his blessings in your life. God wants to meet your need. What he's offering here is his provision in your life. Isn't that encouraging? He offers you himself. That's verse 1. He offers you his peace. That's verse 2 and 3. He offers you his protection. That's in verse 4. His provision in verse 5. And I love verse 6. He offers you his pursuit. Surely goodness and mercy show what? Follow me. Follow me, pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a commitment there from our God. It's uh, summed up in the word shall. Surely God's goodness and God's mercy shall. That's a commitment from our God. He loves you, he likes you, cares about you. You're his sheep, he's your shepherd, he's on your side. He believes in you, he's got a plan for you, he cares about you, and here's his promise to you. It's a commitment. God says, I shall follow you with my goodness and my mercy. I shall. It's a commitment. You see, the conveyance here, he follows us. You ever go wrong? He still follows you. You ever uncertain? Oh, don't know what to do. He'll, he'll follow you with his goodness and mercy. Sometimes... We're not sure the way, don't know exactly what's happening here, but he follows us. There's his commitment, the word shall. There's the conveyance, the word follow. There's the continuance summed up in the word all. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all. You do know this, don't you, freshman? He's very real and he's very caring and, and he's on your side. But seniors, the same thing's true for you. He's very real, he's very caring, he's on your side. And someday you're going to walk out of here, and some you're going to get married, and at your wedding, here's what you're going to find out. He's very real. He's very caring. He's on your side. And you may find out that life's going to bring problems. You may be like me and my wife and, and go to a maternity ward someday and have a baby that's not alive. And that'll be a sad day and a dark day, a challenging day. But here's what you'll find out. The Lord is very real, and he's very near, and he's very good, and his mercy is still following you. When you get old and... You don't have the energy you used to have and you don't, don't have a six-pack and never will ever have a six-pack again. You, you get older, life changes, your body changes, you get gray hair or no hair. It doesn't matter. You'll find out that he's very real and he's very good and he's following you all the days of your life, all the days of your life. He'll never stop. He's that real. He's that good. Isn't that incredible? The constancy of it every day, every day. He says all the days, but the idea is there's on the, the word day, every day, every day. He'll be real tomorrow, kid. So nobody, he'll be real tomorrow. Ladies, he'll be real tomorrow. Guys, he'll be real tomorrow. All the days of my life, all the days. When life's good, he's, he's there. When life's not so good, he's still there. Why? Because you're his sheep. He cares about you. He'll put his fingerprints all over the events of your life. When you, when you, when you fail, some of you, in the years to come, may go through some terrible tragedy, you may face a divorce. You may, you may lose a loved one. But here's what you're going to find out. In every situation of your life, he's your shepherd. And he'll just put his fingerprints all over your life. And it's the most amazing thing in the world. The love of my life's not in chapel today, but I'm so thankful for the wife I met right here at Pensacola Christian College. We've walked together. We've served together. Uh, we podcast together. We travel together. We go on dates together. We... We've raised five kids together. Uh, she likes me. And I like her a lot too. She's my best friend, my favorite person in all the world. 
You know what? The two of us have discovered every step of our life. Our God's been with us. He's never forsaken us. He's always there. He's always good. He loves you that much, guys and girls. He cares that much about you. The constancy of it every day. Great is thy faithfulness. Thy mercies are new every morning. Today, his mercy and goodness are yours. And tomorrow and the next day and the day after that, when you're well and when you aren't well, when you're winning or when you're losing, when you're living in victory and when not so much, you'll find the Lord's following you. He's pursuing you. And there's the certainty there. Surely, surely goodness and mercy. Surely, as certain as you're hearing me preach, he's that real and he's on your side and he's pursuing you. What's he want? He wants you to know his goodness. God wants you to know his goodness. Revel in that. Remember that. He wants you to know that he's good and he's merciful. Know that. Revel in that. Notice, notice, and I'm done here in just a moment. Notice, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This psalm starts with an I have. I have a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Starts with an I have, ends with an I will. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will. Dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, that's a, um, a conscience decision. You ever heard somebody say this? It's a life-changing statement for me. I heard, read somewhere along the way, heard someone say that Christianity is a thinking man's religion. One of the great gifts God gave to me and you is the ability to reason, to evaluate, to think. I'm not a Christian because I was born into a Christian nation where it was legally required that I be a Christian. Not a Christian because I was born into a Christian family where I had no other option. Not a Christian because I was baptized into some religion. I'm a Christian because when I was 15 years old, a man came into my life and began introducing me to Christianity. First to a Savior who died for my sins and was buried, was raised from the dead. We reason. The Bible says, come now, let us... Reason together, saith the Lord. God doesn't want you just to float along and all right, fine, I'll be a Christian. No, God gifted you with the ability to think, to reason, to meditate. One of the issues of our day, this is an aside, but one of the issues of our day, I get asked this question all the time. I get asked about social drinking. Is it okay for a Christian to drink? And, and, and I can write articles about it and debate about it and preach sermons about it. But the heartbeat of the answer for that in my life is this. I don't drink, and here's the number one reason why. Because God called me as a Christian to always be reasonable and to think. Alcohol clouds our judgment, clouds our thinking, affects our reasoning ability. So I can't do it. I won't do it. Because Christianity is to be reasonable, well thought out. Here's what the psalmist is saying. Look at my shepherd. Look at my shepherd. Man, what a God I have. He's good. He's merciful. He's wonderful. He has a plan for my life. He's given me 66 books of truth that I can govern my life by. And here's what I'm to do. I'm to think it over. To reason it out. Is this a good way to live or a bad way to live? Do I want to live like the world that surrounds me? Or do I want to live by God's word? I got to think it through. And here's what the psalmist does in Psalm 23. He sees the truth. This is my shepherd. This is what he offers me. And here's my decision. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know what happened in my life? I met Jesus Christ. I reasoned it through. Here's a, here's a guy that died for my sin. 
Here's a God that died for my sin. And he didn't just die, he was buried and he was raised from the dead. I, I want a shepherd like that. Somebody that loves me that much, I want that, I want that. I want, reasoned it through and, and, and the Spirit of God worked in my heart and I turned to Christ in repentance and faith and I was saved. It didn't stop there. It's been over almost 40 years now of my life that I've been walking with Jesus Christ, this shepherd. Here's what I'm discovering. The more I think about it, the more I go to his word and find out who he is and what he offers, the more I want it. That's the life I want. What kind of marriage do I want? The one talked about in the Bible. What kind of family do I want? The one he talks about having in the word of God. What kind of life do I want to live? The kind of life that has the blessings of character and integrity and, and, and righteousness. That's the life I want. And I say with the psalmist, the Lord is my shepherd. That's what I have. But I also say with him, I will dwell. I'm going to move in there. It's my decision. That's my decision. I will. And I've come to chapel yesterday and today to say to you, student body, listen, you have a wonderful shepherd. What a great God. The Lord is my shepherd. And I've come to this student body to say to you this day, decide. I will. I'm going to move into God's word and live there. I'm going to think this out and decide how I want to live my life. And I'm going to make decisions for righteousness. I'm going to let the shepherd lead my life, guide my life, direct my life. God, I'm all in for you. You're a wonderful God, a wonderful shepherd, a wonderful savior. And I'm all yours. Here I am, Lord. I belong to you. I surrender to you. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. All the days of my life. And when all the days of my life are gone, I'm going to heaven and I'll just be with him for all of eternity and his goodness and mercy that have been so amazing here. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when I live in that land where there is no suffering, no sin, no sorrow, nothing at all between me and that God and all in perfection, all the days of my eternity. I know that shepherd in an even greater way. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. May the Lord help you to take that with you. Surrender all to him. Give him everything. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College. Empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.